0: Good morning. Some of you aren't too sure. It is morning, isn't it? All right. We're glad you're with us to worship this morning. If your row has not passed the attendance pad, the friendship pad on the outside, would you pass it across? As you're signing in, kind of pay attention to who's in the row with you. You'll get a chance to greet them later in the service. If you're here with us for the first time, it's our privilege to have you here. And we ask you, allow us to give you some information about our church. It's a packet that tells you more about the ministries here at Alden Union. There's a card in this packet that we ask you to take out immediately and fill out, and a little bit later put in the offering plate so we can acknowledge a visit by letter. So if it's your first time with us, if you raise your hand so Pastor Paul can see you as he comes up the center aisle, keep it up till he's next to you. He'll make sure you get that packet of information. If after this service you need information on where to go for Bible school or some other ministry you need a question on, Out the back door to your right is a welcome center. There's somebody there to be happy to help you or find somebody who can help you find the answers to your questions. Uh, If you took a glance at your bulletin today, you'll notice it's also packed out just like last week. It's that time of year. A lot of things are starting up. Today is food donation emphasis Sunday for February, so please read in the bulletin how you can help those in need through Alden Care. If you kind of forgot it this week, you can bring it next week. They'll still use it and put it in the locations that we drop it off in. Please join us tonight as we worship. Part of our evening will include celebrating communion together, so come and do that with us if you will. Uh, We're trying to start a next class of Bible Training Center, and that's offering Bible Study Methods, which is the first course. We need enough people to uh, get it started with, and if you're interested, we need an information form, registration form from you. Out the back door to your left is a big information center there are registrations forms there for you to fill out and turn in to me or Dave Pilgrim of the church office, and we'll let you know if we have enough to start that class by February 12th. We need to know by next Sunday at the latest so we can plan well. Uh, we ask you to join us Wednesday night at 7 o'clock in the chapel. You'll be able to meet those running for the office of elder and trustee. We'll also have a regular time of prayer. Men, today is the day to register for Friday night's bowling if you want to be involved in that. We need to remind you the annual congregational meeting will be held on Wednesday, February 11th at 7.30 p.m. A quorum of 140 members is required for an official meeting. You are required to, invited to come early for dessert served in Fellowship Hall at 6.45. So we ask all of you as members to come out to the annual congregational meeting as we look past last, last, last year and look ahead for what we need to do this next year. And then missionary conference is coming up in a month. And so hospitality needs for that are explained in the bulletin, so read that, sign up for that, and there are plenty of other things you need to read and pay attention to, so uh, don't ignore those things. At least read through it once sometime to make sure you don't miss out on something you need to be involved in. Join me as we pray this morning. Father, each of us has different needs this morning. We all have the same need to worship you. And we ask you help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. That you'll be pleased with what you see in our hearts, in our minds this morning. Whatever else we need this morning, we ask for it right now. Maybe we need to help focus our minds. Maybe we need comfort from your word. Maybe we need encouragement to obey you. Maybe there's somebody here in the fellowship we need to show love to. And this morning we pray as we worship... You give us what we need and then help us to do what you've asked us to do. May we have a great time together, worshiping and learning from you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: If you read through the Old Testament, and uh, you'll notice that very often the worship words of Israel are summarized with a very short two-line statement. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And uh, we're going to sing a version of that. And we'd like you to stand and join us and praise the Lord because he's good. Give thanks to him. His loving kindness is everlasting. It's new this morning for you and for me. So let's praise him together. the Lord just greet someone around you and uh, when I call you back when you hear the music find your places good it's great to love the Lord and it's great to love his people that's how he shows us partly what he's like I guess Uh, Isaiah at the beginning of his prophecy in the first chapter uh, after giving a very strong rebuke to Israel for the hypocrisy of their worship happened to be state-of-the-art worship. They were doing exactly what God had asked them to do. They were doing it even more than he asked them to do. But at the end of that, Isaiah concludes uh, with God's very moving call um, to examination and to repentance and confession. And I'd like to read that to you. He says, "'Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes.' Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. And then these familiar words, which I hope ring new when we hear them. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are as scarlet. They shall be as white as snow. They, though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Take a few moments and allow God to sort of scan your heart and your life and see if there's any areas of disobedience or lack of faith that he needs to speak with you, that you need to address. And then in a few moments, we'll sing our desire to be washed clean.
2: i So, so-
1: help us to be those kind of people daily in our private lives, as well as when we meet together. Christ's name, amen. Be seated.
3: Join with me in prayer, please. Our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you For cleansing us and allowing us to come into your presence today. We come to you Lord with grateful hearts for the freedom that we have to worship you. Lord we ask that you prepare our hearts to be receptive to your word this morning. Lord we lift up to you our government leaders throughout this great country. Bless them Lord in a miraculous way turn their hearts to you. Lord bring people into their lives that will allow them to make wise decisions on what is right and not would be to their political advancement. We think of the unrest in so many countries, Lord. We ask that there will be peace. Father, we ask that our country will not turn its back on Israel. We lift up to you the persecuted church throughout the world. Lord, be their tower of strength, Comfort the families that have witnessed the death of their loved ones. We can't imagine what they're dealing with on a daily basis. Let them feel your grace, Lord. We think of the churches so recently in Nigeria that have been in Niger that have been burned. Father, we think of the Bibles that are being burned right in front of believers. We just can't imagine what's going on there, Lord, and just ask that you will be their strength, comfort, protect them, Lord. Let them not lose strength. Father, we thank you for our pastoral staff. Please put a shield of protection around them, Lord. Encourage them in your word. Help us as a congregation to encourage them. Lord, also protect them from the many distractions that can take their focus off of you. We thank you for the missionary family that goes out from Alden Union Church. Many of them are in incredibly difficult areas. Lord, we can't even tell people where they're at. We can't use their names. Protect them. Let them know, Lord, that we are upholding them to the throne of grace. Give them strength, Lord. Help them not to get discouraged. And Lord, we ask that you will allow them to be able to see fruit for their labor. Provide for them in ways that they will see is only from you. Lord, we think of Marge Montgomery and the incredible life that she has lived in Pakistan, but also yet here at home. We know her heart is aching for families in Pakistan, Murray Christian School, where she served for so many years. We ask that you will continue to put your protection upon that school. But also, Lord, we think of the three doctors there in the Bach Hospital, Protect them, Lord, but also give them opportunities to be able to show your love. And Father, we think of our families here at Alden. We know that Satan wants nothing more than to break the family down. Let us be reminded, Lord, that our focus must be on you, that we need to rely on you, and that daily we will bring our marriages and our families to you. Give us strength, Lord, to resist temptation. Think of our college students, Lord. Think especially of Dave and Ann. We ask, Lord, that you will use them on their campuses. Allow them to be a light in a dark world. We also lift up all the college students here and away. Use them, Lord, on their campuses. Thank you for our military. We thank you for the protection it gives us to be able to worship here and not worry about what may happen around us. We think especially today of Bruce and his family, protect him Lord. Use him there, give him wisdom, give him guidance and protection Lord. We think of our leaders here at Alden, we think of the congregational meeting coming up and the new leaders that will be um, elected, be preparing them Lord but this week we think especially of Dave. Lord, we pray that you will continue to put your healing hand upon his eyesight. Thank you for the incredible knowledge that you've given to him to help us with our Bible training center. Give him strength, give him time, Lord, as it takes him so much longer to read and prepare. Give him strength, Lord. And we thank you for the privilege that we have to worship you through giving. We thank you for the way that you have provided for this church over so many years. Thank you for the faithfulness that you have shown to us. We ask now that as we give back to you a portion of what you have given to us, use it, multiply it. Lord, give the leaders wisdom as they use it for our plant, but yet also for our missionaries throughout the world. Bless our time this morning, Lord, in your name.
1: Kids, you can go to kids' worship, and we'll keep worshiping here. Let's stand together. A song that I think you know very well it talks about our relationship with our Heavenly Father in different ways. Uh, rejoice in that relationship as we sing. Standing, we're going to read a portion of Scripture together. It's the Lord's Prayer, but it's written, um, translated by J.B. Phillips in the last century. We can now say, but it's a fresh statement of that, and uh, maybe just hearing it and saying it in a new way will enrich our thoughts about that. So I'll read the italicized, lighter print. You read the bold, shall we? When you pray go into your own room shut your door and pray to your father privately your father who sees all private things will reward you and when you pray don't rattle off long prayers like the pagans who think they will be heard because they use so many words don't be like them after all God who is your father knows you need before you ask Pray then like this. Our Heavenly Father, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the bread we need. Forgive us what we owe to you, as we have also forgiven those who owe anything to us. Keep us clear of temptation, and save us from evil. Be seated.
4: Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of being able to call you our Father. Thank you so very, very much for the pattern that Jesus left behind for us to be praying. Thank you that even as it starts out, so much for us to comprehend and to be grateful for, even at the very beginning with those first two words. Thank you that we can be called your children because you are our Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. you feeling good about yourself and your circumstances this morning? When I ask people that question, sometimes I wish I hadn't because they, they answer me. You know, a lot of people are not feeling good about their circumstances, and they're not feeling good about themselves. They're not feeling good about who they happen to be. So maybe you're not feeling great. Last Sunday night, Pastor Kevin was preaching about troubles and how many people have troubles, and everybody has some. Maybe you're in a prolonged post-holiday blues slump. Prolonged. Maybe it's been seven or eight years now. Maybe it's been exacerbated by the temperatures and all of the threats of weather. I didn't say the weather, but the threats of weather that we keep getting that are coming and going. Or maybe your life is dull and boring right now. Maybe there's not much when you get up in the morning for you to look forward to. Maybe your life is troublesome and scary. Maybe you're feeling a sense of failure. And sometimes that happens to people. Or maybe you have a significant birthday that is coming or has just come, and you look back and all the things you wanted to do and be. You realize you're never going to do them, and you're never going to be that person that you really wanted to be. And a lot of people have that sense of failure. Maybe you're lonely and hurting. Or maybe you feel okay, nothing seriously wrong at the moment. And that's the way life is, isn't it? At the moment, you might be okay, but who knows what's going to happen later today or tomorrow or next week. In all these cases, if you want to feel better about yourself and if you want to feel better about life in general, don't try to seek ways to build yourself up and to custom make your circumstances. That's what we try to do. We have all of these things that we do that we try to alter and try to change, thinking that if we do that, everything might be okay, or at least it might be better. But we don't need courses in self-actualization, the I'm okay, you're okay kind of things, or you can make something of yourself. Here's a very simple and yet a very profound statement. We need to learn to know God better and to trust him more. That's what takes care of all of the circumstances in our lives. If we know God better and we trust him more, then we're looking at things from his perspective. He's the one who puts it all together and keeps it all together. He's the one that we trust. And we don't have to worry about everything that's happening around about us. Learn to know God better and trust him more. This morning we're looking at two words in the Lord's Prayer. We introduced the Lord's Prayer way back in November 16th, and now we're actually going to be looking at it. Two words that start out the prayer. Two words to me that are very, very encouraging, and I hope that everyone in here's heart will be encouraged as you leave here this morning thinking about those two words, thinking about our Father and exactly what that means. Two words that are uplifting, two words that are actually very, very exciting. Two words that can take us from despair to joy, from a feeling of failure to a sense of victory, who can take us out of the circumstances that we find ourselves in and the despair sometimes that goes along with it and to be exalted along with our heavenly father our outlook on life and on ourselves is something that if we look to the Lord and trust him more and if we think about our father, we think about all the implications of what that means it helps us through absolutely everything what I'm saying is that when we pray any prayer, not just the Lord's prayer, and we start it out with "Our Father" or "Dear Heavenly Father," that we don't say them as a mechanical beginning to a prayer, somehow an obligatory salutation. Seems like this mic isn't working to this. Is- Is that better (laughs) I told you life is hard and I hope you I hope you believe me (laughs) that it's you never know when something's going to happen no matter what prayer that we're praying as we begin with our father or anything close to that then we need to be certain that we're thinking through exactly what it is that we're saying and it's not like writing a letter got to start somehow so I'm going to start with dear Donna Dear Karen, I've got to start it somehow, and so I don't even think about it. I know I've got to start it. I've got to start my prayer. This is how I started. it. I know how I end my prayer. Uh, but to think in terms of who it is that I'm really privileged to address. My Father. My Father who's in heaven. So we're going to be looking at these two words, Lord willing, for two weeks. I'd like to ask if you'd do me a favor right now. If you would think about all of the great attributes and characteristics of fathers at their best. Let that thought process run through your mind right now. We're thinking about the best characteristics or qualities of fathers right now. Now, you've got a few that are running through your mind, I would think, and what I'd like to ask you to do now is to multiply that by infinity. Do you know what that gives us? A small glimpse of what our Heavenly Father is like. It's never going to take us there, but it'll give us a small glimpse of what our Heavenly Father is really like. But understand, at the same time, how personal the relationship is that we have with our Heavenly Father. Some people don't realize that at all. Think about how warm and close it really is. We have a Heavenly Father, not a Heavenly boss. And that looks so much like Paul Ruta, it scares me. That's not... Please don't pass that on to your dad that I show that that's not him, but we don't have a heavenly boss. And we don't have a heavenly drill sergeant at the same time. And sometimes we think of God in terms of that, that somehow he's there ready to zap us when we do anything wrong. We don't have a heavenly heavy or a cosmic killjoy or a dirt or a deadbeat dad at the same time that's not our heavenly father we're often warned that in today's world we should think up another way to portray god the image of father is not a good one in many places and so we're told that we need to come up with something else because many fathers are indifferent to their children they're apathetic they're even violent they're abusive sometimes they're very destructive Some kids don't even know their fathers, and some don't even remember them at all. All they have is some bitter recollections of somebody who ran out on them, someone who didn't care, or someone that mom intensely hates and don't even bring up his name, don't even refer to him in her presence. And so their attitude is, if God is a father, no thanks. I'll get along all by myself without any need for any help from a father. Well, what do we do about this hang-up? Do we downplay God as Father? Do we make Him gender neutral? No, we don't do that. The the Bible absolutely presents God as our Father. That's intentional. That's the authorial intent for us to understand God as our Father. Well, what do we do about this hang-up, though? Well, I believe that we need to show God as the perfect, ultimate Father, not one out of a universal pool. God is not a father. He is the unique, awesome father. He's the way fathers should be. Unfortunately, not the way we are. Some of us are blessed to have fathers that give us positive images of our God, but even all of them, the best father that comes into anybody's mind here stops way short of God, our Heavenly Father. Every one of us, no matter what our experience with our fathers have been, good or bad, every one of us can revel in the fact that our Heavenly Father is the ultimate. He's the perfect Father. And when we're praying and we're talking to our Father, if we're thinking about that, our whole prayer will carry on a different dimension. And I believe that that should challenge all of us in our own fathering, Because like it or not, the first thing children learn about fathers is from us who are fathers. Sometimes they learn some good things about God the Father, and it's great when that happens. I heard a touching story about a pastor whose young son had become very sick. And this was a good pastor. I love good pastor stories. You you don't have a lot of them sometimes. But after an exhaustive series of tests, the father was told... The sad and shocking news that his son had a terminal illness. Now, Since the boy had received Christ as his Savior, invited Christ into his life, the father wasn't concerned about what would happen to him in glory. He knew that eternity was settled for his son, but he wondered how to inform somebody so young that he was soon going to die. So he prayed and asked for wisdom from God the Holy Spirit. Then he went with a still heavy heart, through the hospital ward to his son's bedside. He read some scripture. He had a time of prayer with his son. Then he gently told him that the doctors could promise him only a few more days to live. Are you afraid to meet Jesus, my son? He asked. Blinking away a few tears, the little fellow said bravely, No, not if he's like you, Dad. That's the way that it should be. And even in the best circumstance, it still falls short. And unfortunately, the wrong side of fathering is very prevalent. There are a lot of horror stories about relationships of fathers and their children. But we shouldn't abandon the idea of God as our father. We should paint the true picture as artistically as we can. No, we don't get rid of it because there are some bad fathers or less than perfect fathers around, but we paint the picture of the real true father, the perfect one. And again, I don't mean to beat this too much, but for some of you who deeply resent your fathers, some of you sitting here who have been abused, you've been neglected, you've been harassed, you've been ridiculed, you've been maligned, you've been cruelly hurt, you need to be careful that you haven't misplaced your negative feelings toward your human father to your heavenly father. You may have a hard time trusting God. Many people do for that reason. You may have a wrong view of him. But let him be shown this morning as the perfect father, the way a father should be. And ask him to deal with your past, to develop a forgiving spirit if necessary to your own father, to confess attitude problems. You haven't seen a true picture of fatherhood until you've seen the masterpiece. There are a lot of cheap imitations and forgeries, but concentrate on the masterpiece, and that's the picture that we want to paint for a few moments this morning. What does the Bible teach about God as father? Well, liberal theology teaches us that God is everybody's father, and that everybody can claim to be a child of God and in the end everything will be okay for everyone because God is ultimately the father for all. You'll hear the expression the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. That's a motto of universalism, of universal salvation. Is that true? Well, not according to the scriptures. It's a corruption of the real teaching about God the father. We can see God as Father presented in four different ways in the Scriptures. I'd like to share them with us briefly this morning. In a very special sense, God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we know that Jesus referred to him often. There are a lot of verses. I'm selecting just a few for each of the points that we made this morning, but... God is the eternal Father. He must have an eternal Son. He does. And again, many scriptures point that out. Let me share a few. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Another verse in Matthew chapter 26, verse 53. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? This is a special relationship. God the Father and God the Son. In John chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father making himself equal with God. And the relationship of God the Father and His Son has implications for all of us. If you look at the screen, some of them in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, and also in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says these same words, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be Him, but He's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It's to our benefit for this relationship, God the Father, God the Son, because God the Father in the Son gives us all of these spiritual blessings. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So, implications that affect us in the relationship of God the Father and God the Son. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Our salvation has been granted to us because the Father raised the Son from the dead. So, the Bible's teaching about God as Father at least four different ways. One of them is the relationship God is the Father of the Lord Jesus. Secondly, pardon me, God is the Father of Israel as well, pointed out in Scripture. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, it says, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 9, says something very similar. With weeping they shall come, and with pleas for mercy I will lead them back. I will make them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim, another name for Israel, is my firstborn. And so we can see the special relationship that God has with His Son, the Lord Jesus, as a Father, and to the nation of Israel, as their Father. Appreciated that Bob was praying for israel and our relationship with israel because israel still has a special place with the lord and should with all the lord's people as well there's a third excuse me a third aspect here and that is that god is also the father of creation god is the father of creation and we see it all over the scriptures i won't list a lot of verses but one in deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 6 it says do you thus repay the lord you foolish and senseless people Is not He your Father who created you, who made you and established you? Elsewhere in the Scriptures, God is presented as the Father of lights, the Father of spirits, the Father of mankind. And only in that one sense can it be said that God is the Father of mankind by virtue of creation. And you'll see what I mean when we get into this fourth one in just a moment. But there is not a universality of God being the Father in the same sense to everyone. And we'll see now because God is the Father specifically of the redeemed and uniquely to the redeemed, to those who've received the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And so as we we look at that in the more strictly defined sense, God the Father of those of us who are here right now, have acknowledged his fatherhood because we received his son as our savior in john chapter 1 verse 12 it says but to all who did receive him who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of god that's a right that he gave to those who believed and received his son the lord jesus Yes, God is the father of everybody by virtue of creation, but he's the father of believers by virtue of being born again into his family. In John chapter 20, verse 17, Jesus said to her, and this is to Mary in the garden, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and and you're God. Now there's another side of this coin in John eight forty four. Those who aren't members of God's family have another father. John eight forty four. 44, Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. And then he goes on to describe that relationship. And obviously not a good one. The redeemed also have a special relationship through faith. Because it says in Galatians 3.26, For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. That's how it occurs. So I hope you can see god is father presented in the scriptures in four different relationships god is the father of the lord jesus christ of his son he's the father of israel by virtue of creation he's the father of everything and everyone but in that very unique sense if you're a believer in christ he's your father in a very very personal way and he's the perfect father he will never let you down. He will never walk out on you. He will never be anything less than the ultimate in what fathering is all about. If you'll think with me for the next few moments in, in this question, how does our Heavenly Father relate to us as His children according to what the Scripture teaches us? I'm going to ask for your help in this. First of all, what good things do we see fathers doing? And if you could just call out a few things, what good things do we see fathers doing? You can call out anything. What good things do we see our fathers here on earth doing? Did I hear loving? I'm hoping, I was hoping I'd hear loving. It's the next point we're going to get to. Okay. What else? I heard protection. Listen. Listen. Listening. Okay. Thank you. Guiding. Guiding providing being there there. and that's a big one isn't it being there you talk about parents with uh, my kids need quality time I can't give them the quantity time Um, yeah they need both (laughs) they need quantity time they need for us to be there what else forgiving okay thank you what else Encouragement. Somebody said something here that I thought was great, but I didn't hear it. <laughs> What's that? Discipline. Okay, great. Well, we're on the same page. You know, I don't need to go any further because you've hit all my next points. Actually, I wanted you to do that. What do we see fathers doing? What are some of the good things? The first one is loving. How many of you had that in your mind? I think probably that's first one that came out, and maybe the first thing that was in a lot of our minds. We see it in a lot of ways, but here's a surprising way. We see the love of God the Father. We see it in the love of Jesus. We see the love of God the Father in the love of Jesus. In John 14, 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So for a picture of the Father, we're trying to present that masterpiece of who God the Father is this morning. For a picture, we need to look at the person of the Lord Jesus Christ because He was God incarnate. He came and showed us even the love of the Father. So we look at the Son. We look at the Son, the one who cried over Jerusalem with a mother's love and the one that said that He wanted to gather up the people like a mother hen gathers her chicks. We look at the one who loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus so much that when they were hurting, he was hurting, and Jesus wept, according to John eleven thirty five. 35. We look at the one who laid down his life for us in love, and then we begin to see a little bit of the love of the Father in that. God so loved that he gave, but it's the Son who gave up his life. And so we see in that one verse the love of God the Father and God the Son. In John 16, verse 27, it says, For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, Jesus said, and have believed that I came from God. That's a prerequisite for the Father's love, for becoming his children, because we treat his ultimate child, the Lord Jesus, properly. 1 John chapter 3.1, as we heard sung so, so beautifully this morning. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. The NIV says the love the Father has lavished on us. To see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are in and of itself. Just the fact that we can be called as children shows how much we're loved. Because God is our Father, we know that we're always loved, and we know that we're always lavishly loved. The first reminder we should have when we pray our Father is that He loves us with a perfect Father's love. So think of your next prayer as your response to the loving Father, and it is really a a conversation of love when we're praying. Because it's out of love that we can even be called children and we can even address God as our Father. Don't think of prayer as an obligation. Don't think of it as a ritual. Don't think of it as something that I need to do so that I don't feel guilty the next time they preach about prayer or teach about prayer in a class or in church. But think about this. It's part of a loving relationship that I'm allowed to call Him my Father because I am His child, because I receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Maybe you've caught a glimpse of this on a human level about the the personal nature of the love of a father. Maybe it hasn't been so good for you. My philosophy of fathering, as my boys were growing up, is that if I'm ever going to make a mistake, I would like it to be in loving too much rather than too little. How important it is to communicate that kind of love in whatever ways you can communicate it best to the children that we're fathering. Teaching and training. How does our Heavenly Father relate to us as His children? The role of a father on a human level. There, there's got to be teaching and training in that. And in Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 27, at that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children heavenly father you've revealed the truths to your children yes he says father for such was your gracious will all things have been handed over to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him We're all familiar, and we won't turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, but the role of parents in teaching diligently their children the things of God. This is something our Father does for us. He gave us His Word to be taught in that way. I don't know if I heard this, but it may have been on some of your minds. The idea of fathers also are involved in giving. He gives with a full knowledge of what we need. We read it earlier. He never has to guess. He can never be conned. He knows exactly what it is that we need. And you'll see the verses that are on the screen. Let me share with you Matthew 6:32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Matthew 7:11. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. John 3.16, we know that verse, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. He knows what we need and He gives, and He gives abundantly to us. I've told this story before, but I I know that the best Christmas present that I can remember receiving was from my father, who built a fort for my brother and me. And I don't know how he did it. My dad was not handy. The only tools he had were in a drawer in the kitchen that must have come in a plastic bag from Woolworths. And if you understand what I'm talking about there, the hammer was not a hammer. The hammer was something with a wooden handle and a little bit of a thing on the end of it. But somehow we could hear him working down in the basement for a long time before Christmas. What's going on down there, Mom? Nothing. You can't go down there. It's just about Christmas. You can't go down there. And there was this beautiful fort. And it was exactly what my brother and I would like. We, we would be playing with all our soldiers and all these other kind of things. And now we had a fort for it. I can't help but think about the terms of the Heavenly Father with a knowledge of what we need and then the ability to give us what we need. The whole idea also of caring. Our Father cares for us. In Psalm 68, verse 5, He's the Father of the fatherless. He's the protector of widows, it says, is God in His holy habitation. He cares. Our Father does. He knows those who are struggling. Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? He's going to take good care of the birds. You're His child. He's going to take good care of you as well. In 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort." Psalm 103, verse 13, it says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Just in passing, disciplining. Somebody mentioned disciplining. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12 says, Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in go back to my father for a moment we were doing a holy thursday communion service uh one easter season uh over at the the church where he served for many years he was doing a third of the message i was doing a third of the message and another pastor there was doing the the other third of the message and i can remember that i got up and you won't believe this about me but every once in a while i say things that strike me as funny they don't often strike other people as funny, but they strike me as funny. And I started off my third of the message with something that had struck me funny, and I thought it was was okay, and afterwards my dad drew me aside and he said, son, there's a time and a place for everything. Holy Thursday communion service is not the place for frivolity. Well, I've tried to learn that lesson unsuccessfully, but nonetheless, this whole idea that when a father loves he admonishes, he disciplines, he tries to, to help to build into his children the things that are important. Someone suggested forgiving. That's what fathers do. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what our father does. Somebody suggested spending time. How important. Here's some good news. Research shows fathers spend seven times as much interacting with their children than their own fathers did with them 40 years ago. That's good news. Seven times more. Uh, Bad news, it was only five minutes 40 years ago. Now it's 35 minutes. Uh, That's not a lot of time, according to the studies. We have a Heavenly Father, though, with a personal relationship that's growing. And that's a good, good thing, because He wants that relationship. Tittle pointed out that the Gospel writers used the Greek term for father. Jesus probably used the Aramaic Abba in all cases, particularly when he addressed God. That's an intimate father child relationship, something wholly new to Judaism, but Jesus introduced that. Now, they tell us, at least some of the studies, I'm sure that we'll find other studies. In fact, I've seen other studies that say differently, but most of the time, a young child's first word is going to be something like dad, da, da, and then evolves into daddy a lot of times and I believe that's because the father's not around and the mother's always talking about daddy and building him up so then he hears that that a lot because the mother has been doing uh, a lot of evangelistic work that way Uh, back at that time the first word would be ab 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 and then it would come to abba father or even daddy in that regard that's why in Romans chapter 8 verse 15 for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And um, Galatians 4, 6, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. There are others, and I'm not going to go into them this morning, but God, our Father, as well as other fathers, understand about refereeing, understand about sibling rivalry. Protection is another one, and speaking up for us. There are so many more. We could go on the list, could go on and on and on, but we've got a Father who is outstanding at every one of those features. Every one of those, that makes us feel loved and protected and provided for. So when the Lord's Prayer is recited, or if you can take the time to linger on each phrase in your own private, quiet time, don't just say, Our Father, without thinking. But use it as an expression of gratitude gratitude. To God for all that that means. We can't get two words into the Lord's Prayer without thinking about our Father. There's an instant message of encouragement in those two words. That's who we're talking to, our Father. And our Father, we pray now that each one of us will understand how greatly we are loved. You've lavished your love upon us, how great the love is that you have for us. Thank you for that. And thank you for those two words. Two words that I trust none of us will ever take for granted. And thank you for Abba, Father. In addition to being the God that we revere and worship and we're in awe of, you're our daddy as well. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: There's a worship chorus, Abba, Father, which the praise team tells me hasn't been sung here much, so I'm going to sing it through once, and then if you'll join me. Sing the first verse again, and then we'll sing uh, the second verse as well. You stand with me. <laughs>
2: is sure. so Fall. Uh-huh.